be full of fright. I dreamt that I was with the devil below in his great big fiery hall, where the devil was giving a ball. I checked my coat and hat and started gazing at the merry crowd who came to witness the show. And I must confess to you, there were many there I knew. Hello, hi. At the devil's ball. Welcome to The Dispatchist, a friendly conversation about hell and some other stuff. I'm Jacob, and with me this week is... <laughs> the same people that are with you every week. The voices Allegedly, I was gone a week. <laughs> I didn't well, you, even know I was you, gone you a week. You were here, you were just dead. You were dead, oh, and then we, re- we, resur- we resurrected you. We so resurrected like, you. You've resurrected me. <laughs> Why don't you like grab my little head and say, Oh, it's German. <laughs> yeah, we did a whole weekend at Bernie's thing with you. So with me this week is Victoria. Hello. And, Hi. Oh. And Jamin. <laughs> Hi. You're still a little rusty after the resurrection. I'm so glad you're both here. It's good to be glad here. Glad to be here. Good to see because you Because we'll have witnesses. <laughs> what? I don't get it. <laughs> so this is episode 42BZ Alpha. A few more questions from Question Week. Yeah. A few awesome. or more questioners. Right. Over the last few weeks, some of our listeners and friends and other podcast listeners have been sending in questions about Hell and Dante and Dungeons and Dragons and other related topics, and we've been throwing a dartboard, throwing a dart at the board to randomly decide which ones to answer. I think we got them all. No, I like the concept of we just throw the dartboard. We're going to get them all. There's like 15 more. Yeah, we may not answer okay. all of them. We might skip number 14. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, that's uh, the, yeah, because some may be answered in the future. I just didn't like its pants. <laughs> the questions pants yes <laughs> oh. are they corduroy the exact sound corduroy pants make <laughs> in hell everybody wears corduroy all the time <gasps> oh it's so true <laughs> and they do that weird hum when they eat like <clears throat> oh gosh <laughs> Well then, did anybody bring bring anything to the party? I brought a drink called an Icy Hot. That sounds like a medication. It is a medication, uh, but this one goes inside your body, and it references uh, one of Wait, have I been using Icy Hot wrong all this time? You have. You have. You're supposed to just squeeze it on your tongue (laughs) and let it drip slowly down your throat. This is... uh, (laughs) Don't try that at home, kids. this is... Uh, if your kids are listening, you've got bigger problems than... <laughs> it's true. Like, you should not be trying this, this at all. So, it's half an ounce of DeCooper. Is that how you say it? Is that DeKuypers? DeKuyper, because it's Dutch, right? DeKuyper? I don't know. Well, it's, well we're going to call it DeKuyper Hot Damn Cinnamon Schnapps. Ooh. And then oh. half an ounce of... Oh, no. Ice brand peppermint schnapps. Oh, yeah. You were going to say creme de menthe. I knew it. Or peppermint schnapps. So, it's, so it's an icy. It is oh. icy and hot. And what does the Kuiper's taste like? It tastes like uh, red hots. Oh, yeah. or like spicy Cinnamon. red hots. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. And it's kind of like Fireball, oh. <laughs> not the whiskey. Or the, this Fireball, it's whiskey with cinnamon, right? And a devil on the front. It is kind of like it ruins the whiskey and the cinnamon. <laughs> <laughs> the drink you just described 
Uh-huh. Sounds like it tastes more like regret than just drinking <laughs> Fireball whiskey. Oh, totally. Totally. Because I just don't know how cinnamon and peppermint go together. I think it's more for the sensation of the thing. But oh. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, when you brush your teeth and then you drink orange juice. Yeah. It's a sensation, but it doesn't taste good. It. There used to be an old Wonka candy, one of the lesser known ones called Daredevils. It was alternating oh. cinnamon, mint, cinnamon, mint, cinnamon, mint, cinnamon. Also, that's yeah. fun to say. Cinnamon, mint, cinnamon, mint, cinnamon, mint, cinnamon, cinnamon, cinnamon. I don't, you know, mint, I cinnamon, never mint, had those. Cinnamon, mint, cinnamon. Rebel. <laughs> <laughs> Miniman. <gasps> Miniman McLear, we brought him into yet another episode. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> that silence yeah. tells me everything I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm a pretty adventurous drinker. Mm-hmm. But that sounds like the kind of drink... I would need to drink to forget. Yeah, so you'd have to take one, you scream, then you drink another one, you scream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it sounds like a stunt drink. It does. And oh. you don't even light it on fire. I, I question any drink that involves like a lot of mint, except like a mint julep or something classy like that. I will say that one thing you're supposed to do is the ice, the, the peppermint shops needs to be chilled and you do not chill the hot dam and it's a shot. So I don't know if that okay. So and like you, you just mix it, and so like there's layers and swirls. Hmm. Might be worth a sh- try. Might be worth <laughs> a schnapps. Uh huh. I don't know. I've had bad experiences with schnapps, so I don't think I've ever had a good experience with schnapps. Yeah, yeah. Schnapps are really yeah. Schnapps, schnapps, man. Although to be fair, it's probably my fault because. When in college, all I could afford was just garbage. Mm, mm-hmm. And I'm sure, like, somewhere out there is, like, a, you know, $60 bottle of peach schnapps, which is just fan-friggin-tastic, right? And I'd be like, nope, never going to try it because I'm scared. It's the worst hangover, peach schnapps. Oh, uh, it's terrible. Yeah, it's the it truly is the worst hangover. So I brought some entertainment, but first I okay. want to... <laughs> this isn't entertaining. What is? I want to tell you about a, a book title that I can't quite get out of my head because mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to be able to write it. Wait, if you tell us, will we also not be able to get out of our heads? Possibly, mm. but this is more my sense of humor. Okay. I think it's it's a Jewish religional devotional about mm-hmm. um, spirituality while in the Deep South. Okay. And I think it's called Surprised by Goy. Because <laughs> that's uh, the Wordsworth poem. Also. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I don't think I'm allowed to write this levels. one. It's, uh, I have to be a different person entirely to pull that one off. Well, now's the time. Sure. Mm-hmm. Confession. Yes. Yes. I don't get it. So, a Wordsworth poem, Surprised by Joy. Mm-hmm. And then Goy is the Jewish reference. Huh. To non-Jews. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's funnier if you explain it. <laughs> Everything is better when you explain it. I'm laughing now. It's much. We'll have fun. to. S- <laughs> we'll have to send you the Wordsworth poem. But yeah. for entertainment, I was going to throw out fighting with saws in a brimstone-covered pit of meddlers, then being suspended by the head over a foul whirlpool, but being unable to drink. Well, because you're suspended by your head, right? Yeah. I mean, it logically follows. Uh-huh. I wonder if the algorithm knew that the whirlpool directly affected the ability to drink. Like it wasn't suspended over a vat of bees and unable to drink. Mm-hmm. Well, I have mm-hmm. a subcategory of bodies of water and some things related to them. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. But does drinking directly tie to water or they, was it just happen chance? No, it was, it was some verb involving liquids and then a liquid and then, and then sometimes a supplemental punishment involving liquids. <laughs> okay, so, so somebody thought this out. I didn't want it to say drink bees ever because you can't drink bees. Mm. You could drink or bees. Can you? I yes. know. It's you don't know what I do with my bees. What if you dip your bees in icy hot? <laughs> mm. It's quite a buzz. Ah! I don't get it. It stings. <sighs> I brought mm -hmm. chicken wings. Mm. Ooh, that sounds wonderful right now. A lot of chicken wings. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because I thought I was buying the kind that, like, they're pre-made and you can pull out three and have a nice snack. No, it's just it's a vat of chicken wings. Like, you open oh. it and they're done. So okay. I, I made them all. So, sometimes the circle of gluttony pushes out products like that. <laughs> <laughs> have all the mm -hmm. corn dogs. There's only one bag of 50. It's true. It's and true. once you open the bag, it's not like a conveniently resealable bag of corn dogs. No, you gotta eat all 50. Mm-hmm. It's like Pop-Tarts. You, you know, the, I think it was a whole... Was it an, an Ellen DeGeneres... Face on a Pop-Tart. Joke. Yeah. About having to, like, how the process of eating Pop-Tarts. Because you can't just eat right, one. Because they come in pairs, but it's a single serving times two. Yep. Which mm -hmm. is the same as two servings. Yep. 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 There's the, mm. there's the mm. rub. Yeah. I think they lied for their calorie count purposes. Well, Fritos, I was dismayed to find out, like, you know, the kind of lunch size Fritos. Yeah. That's actually like. Five. Yeah, they're actually like two and a half servings per Frito what? bag. What? Because Fritos are delicious because each one is delicately basted <laughs> individually. An entire slice in of bacon's grease. <laughs> exactly. Like they have a Frito rubber on staff <laughs> who just I gently massages job. each Frito with bacon. What's you your job? You would get fired so fast. I take the Frito <laughs> and I buff it with grease. <laughs> Jacob, we say this very seldom, but you are doing too good of a job robbing the Fritos. Could you please calm down? <laughs> That's right. You're making everybody uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you know there's parts of the world? Did you know there's parts of the U.S. Mm -hmm. which don't have Frito pie? I know. Isn't that weird? That's strange. And you're like, you're like, yeah. Oh man, I could go for a Frito pie about now. And they're like, what? And you're just like, okay, we're not friends anymore. It's an easy thing to teach people about. That's the that's the good part. That's yeah. true. It's like Texas poutine. Yeah, really is. It really is. It's a staple of school lunches. <laughs> At least it wasn't my day. <laughs> oh, speaking of school lunches, you want to hear a hellish mm -hmm. story? Sure. I don't. I was know. talking with a buddy of mine. Okay. Who emigrated to Sweden, mm -hmm. and he was telling me that a large percentage of the adults he know don't like salmon. Oh, okay. I love salmon because it was ruined for them. Yes. By school lunches. I believe this. Oh. Because salmon was so plentiful and so cheap that they served it to children and they made it, you know, at the industrial level. Oh. Oh, that would And it's not it. like mm -hmm. here where it's like, oh, salmon is a tasty treat. Mm-hmm. You know, let's let's say they people don't like salmon because it was ruined because they never had good salmon. School mm. lunch salmon? Hellish. Yeah, that sounds very sad because it's such a lovely fish unless you mm -hmm. had it by the plank. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. that's sad. Well, I have some hell news I'm really excited by. Oh, oh great. Yes. Tell us more. So, so 
You know how Amazon can read your mind a little bit and recommend books to you? Yes. It didn't. And I'm so excited that I found this. <laughs> Somehow, oh, someone was talking to me about his pet demon, Marvis, and I was trying to find pictures of Marvis, uh-huh. who is one of the like 75 engineer lion types. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I found a picture of him and it was really adorable. It was this cute cartoony lion sitting up and, I don't know, talking to a kid. And so mm-hmm. I did some searching around to find it. And it's from a book called Goesha Kids. And it is <gasps> oh, adorable. There's, there's a <laughs> Spell spell this name M A R M A R B A S Marbus Yeah Lion Demon So the shocker is that in all of my manifold searches Amazon has never turned this up for me it's I think it's a, a self published sort of thing so maybe it doesn't oh. turn up on their algorithms Yeah somehow I have mixed feelings about it but by and large it is super cute the illustrations are just lovely and cartoony and childlike there's an adorable picture of Vasago, maybe, who is a man bird sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And there's kids all gathered around him, and one of them is wearing a Pikachu Kigurumi and taking a selfie with him, and he looks kind of awkward. <laughs> it's not in any way connected to the Satanic Temple and their like kids' Satan club. No. <laughs> Satan for kids. Mm-hmm. There are reasons I wouldn't recommend it necessarily. I mean, the art is adorable. The mm-hmm. intent is to provide, like, friendly things to bring children into the world of goetic demonology in a in a mm-hmm. positive and friendly way. Okay. So it's mm-hmm. got a lot of feelings of like, you know, Christian children's devotional sorts of things. But it's demons, which the author goes out of their way to say aren't necessarily bad. Mm-hmm. I my 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 guff with it is that the author goes way out of their way to say that it's not necessarily bad, including just kind of making stuff up a fair bit. And oh dear. Yeah. And also, they were into NFTs, and so naturally, two of the demons are big fans of NFTs uh, and things like that. Uh-huh. Um, and she identifies as an indigo person, which when you start saying I'm an indigo person, it's, it's a funny tonal thing that I have, I have issues with. So the writing is, is a little odd, and it's also kind of – it's translated between uh, Portuguese and English, I think. Hmm. Interesting. But the art is is so charming that I think as a coffee table thing, or even if you want to raise your child to like celebrate demons, it's not bad. It's just that I think you need to kind of read it a little bit first and do some translation work and things like that beforehand. Mm, So cute. I want to take a look at that. I feel like, I don't know, for a future project, it would be fun to have. Or at least therapy, you know, or some kind of Which is, I mean, the answer is obviously more beating. Beat your children and they'll behave (laughs) better. Like how hard can it be? Shame, shame is the answer. The answer is always shame. <laughs> Jacob, you own, I think we went over this last time, seven viewers. Yes. Right? I do own seven, many more than seven viewers. Okay, but this, the sigil, have you posted the sigil on any of our multitudinous social media accounts? Like, have um, you tweeted your viewer sigil necklace? No, but I've tweeted pictures of beer where he's waving a sigil around. Oh, okay. Oh. So, Mike, so, like, I'm wondering, like, if our listeners just off the top of their head know what the beer sigil looks like, because I do. I see it every damn day. <laughs> the Marbus sigil? Looks like an M. Is, you know what? Uh, maybe if you tilt your head upside down? Oh, yeah. It looks like it may be a W. Yeah. 
the Marva sigil is actually pretty cool. Like, a lot of these demonic sigils are kind of, you know, oh, look, there's some scribbles and some lines. Like, that silver Marvis sigil ring looks pretty badass, man. I would, like, if I had fingers, I would wear that. Well, a lot of them are ideograms. Like, the beer one, if you look at it crosswise, it looks like a person holding an archer. Wait, it looks like an archer holding an arrow, kind of. Mm. It's got that kind a of person thing. holding an archer. Come to me, dear. Um, <laughs> I tried to shoot an archer. It's been a rough bow. day. I'll just hold you, Pat, Pat. A lot of them look like critters. Here's the opening Sigil. couple of stanzas for Paimon. He is a majestic king and obedient to the light bearer. He comes from the west and leads 200 spiritual armies. They always start with the numbers, which is fairly traditional for Goesha. Paimon is a party goer like Marbus. He loves a carnival. Marbus takes care of the costumes and Paimon takes care of the samba plot. He already enters sambaing to the sound of many musical instruments. He has a powerful voice, and sometimes when he sings, it's hard to sit, understand, so you have to pay close attention. <laughs> he goes on from there and talks about how he's the, the life of the party. And it's interesting kind of poetic reinterpretation and creative writing around each of the goetic demons. It's very sweet. And I guess huh. they are not, <laughs> they don't talk about the movie Heredity. Heredity. Hereditary. Yeah. No, Is it heredity or hereditary? Hereditary. Hereditary. They, they yeah. don't mention it. And uh, the original language is, I think, uh, Portuguese. So it's available in Portuguese, Spanish, and English. Um, mm, that's mm-hmm. pretty neat. That is really neat. Okay. Well, I'll, I'm going to look into that. Sounds I will. very fun. I'm going to forget about it. Oh, you have it. Yeah. I thought you were just saying, look, I f- okay, maybe I will. Maybe I will borrow your book. Mm-hmm. It's and right I get there. My trusty bag of green crayons. That's no! right. <laughs> I think you need to use a different color for this one. I only own green crayons. Oh, okay. Never mind. Never mind. You can use your green crayons. Hell news. Yes, I've got some hell news as well. Oh. So, I don't know if you guys heard, but there was a news story earlier in the week, actually, I believe, um, that a trove of ancient Egyptian coffins and statues were found at a cemetery near Cairo. And it contained statues of deities dating back to 500 BC, and also an excerpt of what is what they think to be uh, the Book of the Dead. Yeah, and it's a fairly recent grave, so maybe this is like the latest edition, like 6.0. Mm-hmm. So it's at Saqqara, I think that's how it's S A Q Q A R A, and there's statues of Anubis, Ammon, Men, Osiris, Osiris, Isis, Nefer- It says Nefertum. Bastet and Hathor, along with a headless statue of the architect Imhotep, who built this, who built the pyramid. Two hundred fifty coffins, one hundred fifty of those statues, and other objects. I know another article said that there were some items that are used in celebration of Isis as mm-hmm. part of that. And this is interesting because a couple of years ago they found maybe this is two hundred fifty, and I think uh, a couple of years ago they found maybe fifty in the same area. So this seems like a a lot of stuff happening there. Oh, yeah, and they found cosmetics and jewelry. Yeah, lots of coal. Lots and lots of coal. Mm-hmm. Oh, what an interesting like time. Like coal, like for eyes. Yeah, the eye, yeah, the eye shadow. This uh-huh. is like right when Egypt was being like eaten by Greece, and there was a little bit of nationalism flaring up here and there. Mm-hmm. So my first take on this, so I had lots of takes. Like 250 is a lot. It's a lot. You know, when- It's a lot. What, what was the pigment? Uh, mummy brown? Like there mummy are, gray, yeah, mummy brown because it was a gray brown. Mm-hmm. Like there were so many mummies, people were grinding them up to make oil paint. Yep. And I was mm-hmm. like, there can't be that many mummies. There's still a lot out there, guys. Yeah, because we we in our mummy we talked about mummies. Yeah, that they were used 
We don't know how much of that is apocryphal, but we had the whole like mummy unwrapping parties and yeah. mummy brown and the bitumen that was used for medicine and used as fuel, allegedly, like the animal like the cereal. mummies. So <laughs> these are cereals. Body when, I, when, I, when I read through it, I was like, okay, this is specific. MyMummy.com. My <laughs> you know what the Victorians probably would have, or mm-hmm. the Edwardians, or. They were pretty sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I was like, okay, this specific trove was about 500 BC, which, and I was like, oh, so they're, they're not really that old. You know, the mummies are 6,000 years old. But then again, that's 2,500 years ago in an unrobbed grave. That's still like. Honestly, I can't go two days without some kid stealing my Amazon package from my front porch. The fact that the that these stayed intact for 2,500 years, okay, that's archaeology. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Victoria, did I tell you that I was stealing his Amazon packages? <laughs> Damn it. I would love to see the, um, the ring camera footage from that. <laughs> it's this huge stack of anime cat girl stuffed animals. <laughs> My They're all just shoved in your closet with these little tails <laughs> sticking out. <laughs> I mean, that's, they go in my closet eventually, so. Okay. Question number one. Question it. So, yes. Question, question the first. So, this comes from Inferno Puzzle. Yes. Mm-hmm. My question. Yes. Who is Inferno Puzzle? Well, yeah, that's a so good question. Inferno Puzzle is probably not his given name. I'm just guessing. If you're on Twitter, look for Inferno underscore puzzle. This is a person who's developing a puzzle game based on Dante's Inferno. It's got kind of an isometric view and has kind of a bit of a Minecraft vibe to it with large chunky puzzles and things like that. And I do believe that Mr. Inferno underscore puzzle is going to be having an interview with us in Inferno November. Yeah, I was looking at our spreadsheet and I remember us talking about that, which is very, very cool. He gave us a great many questions that must have been lurking in his mind as he built out levels and things like that in Inferno Land. Mm-hmm. 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 So question number the one. Yeah. What circle of Inferno do you think Dante would sort you into? Which one would you prefer to hang out in? Question oh, one. I missed the second part about the what do you prefer to hang oh, out in? Oh, Vuka. Right. Yeah. You read the whole <sighs> test before you start answering the question. I passed That's out. fifth grade all over again. Oh. Okay. Jacob? Well, I was going to You say, also assigned ones to us. I did. I did because uh-huh. I want to hear more about that. I was in a mood. <laughs> um, I don't uh-huh. think any of the levels of Dante's Inferno sound very fun to hang out in, except possibly Limbo. But then you're dealing with a lot of male answer syndrome and like intellectual scholars talking about their intellectual scholarism, mm-hmm. which also mm-hmm. doesn't sound very fun after a few no. thousand years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, so actually, I, yeah, it's like being like a, a a a woman, a female academic at a conference. It's it's just that like that's exactly. Oh gosh, both. I can't even imagine. <laughs> uh-huh. I want to be a female academic at a conference someday. You, if you, if you, you know, just if you work hard and have men <laughs> get paid more than you, then someday. <laughs> You too can be a female academic at a conference. Ouch. <laughs> Personally, I figure that Dante would sort me into level seven violence against nature, which is where mm-hmm. you put both sodomites and blasphemers. Yep. Which probably I'll get there. 
And, you know, of all the levels, it's not bad. I mean, you have to run away from fire all the time, but that's a fairly Who tame doesn't? torment mm-hmm. mis- compared to others. Yep. And, you know, probably some really great butts out there. I mean. All the, all the running. It's true. Like, yeah, there's going to be some some really nice thighs and yeah. butts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For those of you that don't know, Jacob loves buying plants, putting them in the backyard and killing them. And killing them to death. Oh. Yeah, I do. I mean, when we say crimes against nature. Yeah. That's a crime. My, my tomato <laughs> garden is a crime against nature. Yes. Yeah. The poor screaming tomatoes. Like, I got a text one day, like, you know. From a tomato? <laughs> he was like, the tomato buckets fell over and they fell six feet to the ground. And I'm just trying to parse it. Like, what did you do to that tomato? I have bad tomato luck. Oh, yeah! <laughs> it's like the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Falling, falling, the falling, the falling, <laughs> ba- the falling gardens in your of- backyard with yeah. potted tomato plants. I, I am with big boys, big boy tomatoes. <laughs> Where would you put me? Well, I I was um, jokingly just to have something to talk about, putting both of you in either fraudulent counselors or falsifiers, which is just kind of where I'd put podcasters in general. Mm, I think yeah. that. I- I have told a tall tale in my day. What? You? I I do live in Texas. I embrace it. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Uh, So. I do feel like I would personally belong in Vaingloria or Asedia, but we'll talk more about that when we get to the Seven Deadly Dwarves. Mm, Okay. So, Jamin, what other, and where would you want to hang out? Okay. What is the sin of being a hell-specific podcaster and not remembering the levels of hell. That's just, that may be sloth of some sort, but <laughs> sloth doesn't really get a lot of coverage in, because, uh, in Inferno. Because honestly, I thought I did my homework, and I thought I read the, the the Inferno, but I was like, yeah, right, the levels of hell, there's, um... But it was actually Joy of Cooking. One, two, three, four? <laughs> <laughs> like, flip, flip a coin, man, I don't... I guess sloth is a good one, because, like, I feel like I've accomplished, like, it's been a pretty terrible pandemic, but I've accomplished very little. We've, mm. we've all accomplished very little together, and that's great. Yay, yep. sloth. Mm. Acedius. So, but actually then, Jacob, okay, see, I also have to look things up, Jamin, but. Yeah, but the, I admit to it. <laughs> what, oh, what's the word for leading others astray? With the, um, I, I think it was. One word for it. In the circle of hell, oh. where with um, like clergy that were, yeah, the, leading the bad, people astray, bad, bad clergy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that could be a category for for us. That'd be kind of nice. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be okay. Yeah. Is that the one with the leaden cloaks? Oh, the heresiarchs. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. Mm-hmm. I can we lead our own cult? Are we? I think we can. I think we're heading that way. Awesome. So, we're leading people astray. Do the people we're leading astray know they're being led astray? Like, I think that's, that's part of the beauty. Yeah, that's kind of academic. Mm-hmm. So, like, listeners, if you're following along at home, you are in dire peril as we speak because yes. of us. <laughs> Go listen to the Saints podcast. <laughs> Go to the Saints podcast, click unlike and unsubscribe, yeah. and re-like and subscribe <laughs> our podcast. <laughs> Oh, but Vic- Eric. Victoria, you mm-hmm. had some opinions that were not assigned by me. 
Oh, I did. I did. Um, I went rogue. <laughs> and I believe that I would be in uh, 3.5, the land of the sullen, for oh, sure. That's where they burble. That's with the burblers. You do burble. I'm a very, very sullen person. <laughs> I do. I do burble. I do burble. Um, I'm a yeah. I'm a, a I'm a I'm the queen of the burbles, and I also believe I would be in diviners. I think that's quite possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's eight point four. Is that the one um, where you you dress up in women's clothing and no, go on stage? You, it's where your head's on backwards. <laughs> <laughs> but I like where you're going with that. Uh, Being divine. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. Get to hang out with John Waters. <laughs> That's cool. I don't know. I feel like sometimes, like, lust seems like it could be a Kate Bush video, like, at its best. You know, just kind of, like, being tossed about. Yeah, you know, that was dramatically fairly, with scarves and whatnot. Maybe Stevie fairly, Nicks slash Kate Bush. Mm-hmm. That was another fairly chill realm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Kate Bush has been described as chill many times. <laughs> She's now re- uh, having a resurgence of uh, popularity. Mostly due to us. <laughs> Stranger things. I, I, I think they have a few more followers. Mm-hmm. Another question from Inferno Puzzle is, where does the idea of hell being hot come from? <gasps> yes. Uh-huh. There's this a is lot. Where my drink There's connected. Yeah. I'll I'll be the dumb one here and start with you know the whole Hades, uh, Vulcan fire Gehenna, yeah. like there's lots of hot places which are bad places. Yeah, I, th- I think the answer of like hot is down kind of kind of is like a lot of the kind of bedrock of this idea, so to speak. Yeah, but not all of this idea. Yeah, I found this really interesting article in. Um, cause I, I was trying to get, like, find again, sort of this icy hot, like, how does that work? And magnets. <laughs> magnets. We're back to that. How the F do they work? Magnets. How do the, how do they work? So it's, uh, this article in Modern Ghana, um, about a clergyman who actually went briefly to, uh, hell. Um, no, actually, sorry. He is a lawyer, 58-year-old uh, lawyer. Bit different. Amos Cal- <laughs> I know. Oopsie. Um, 58-year-old lawyer, Amos Cavino of, in the U.S., who had a heart attack, died, and saw himself taken into hell and later came back to life. So, um, he, the resurrected lawyer, so Jamin, one of your uh, a peer, maybe you could join a support group. Um, he was reported to have said, I felt myself in the cold, reptilian hands of two hideous demons. In the distance, I could hear the sounds of screams and moans. The demons pulled me down through the darkness toward the sound. And as they did, it kept getting colder and colder. So, um, yeah, so it talks all about, you know, the coldness of hell versus the heat of hell. But it mentions Gehanna um, and the whole, like, in Isaiah, the description of the trash, the rubbish heaps and how there is this kind of that's probably where the idea of hell being hot came from but the temperature of the earth like at its core there's a a core of ice what right no geologically no i haven't heard the very center let's see i don't think so i think you're thinking i think you're thinking of an obsolete candy by uh (laughs) by wonka where the center was a ball of mint 
<laughs> that the, <laughs> the, dis- the disappointing, most disappointing Tootsie Roll, uh, Tootsie Pop ever, um, Court of Earth. I feel like there's ice somewhere down there, but I could be wrong. If oh, you're no, listening no, no, you're and right. you're a geologist, just put mm-hmm. it on pause for a minute. And tune in a second later. Finish screaming. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. This is where the clergyman comes in because scientists have also estimated the temperature of hell to be in the neighborhood of absolute zero. And then there's a priest who argues that in the Old Testament, the Bible describes hell as hot, but any geologist will tell you the Earth's core has been constantly colder ever since then. So it's not... Yeah, like, so it's not that the core is ice, uh, it's that it's just getting colder. If you, but, if you take yeah. your geology advice from a priest, mm-hmm. you're, you're doing being led astray. Well, he it's the priest and scientist. I'm not saying that this is 100% correct. I found it interesting because oh, there was a story okay. of this lawyer that died and went to hell and came back. And so... No, I mean, there's lots of things we don't know. Like, did this alleged lawyer allegedly die in a walk-in freezer like did he was he getting like you know some cold cuts mm-hmm. and he had a heart attack because mm. you know there's there's external factors here which we the innocent listener don't know yeah most lawyers die in refrigerator accidents could it, could i tell you my and uh, <laughs> somebody out there may make i may make this and that's okay because i'm never going to make the movie of this but my uh, big idea for a movie is that uh glam rock band from the 70s have some kind of bad tripping experience and they wind up uh, getting frozen in a walk-in freezer for decades and decades. And then this television studio that films a children's show is built on the same spot and they find the freezer and a, a dishonest producer thaws out the glam band and convinces them that to like he puts them in the children's show but convinces them that they're still the band this is just this concert like they are just playing these concerts i'm calling every single episode (laughs) i'm calling brendan frazier right now Uh every single episode (laughs) this is his movie it really is or it could be a tv show you know yeah it feels uh, a little 2004 to my mind I guess, but with a glam, like a glam rock band that becomes, uh, you know, like... Are you saying Yo Gabba Gabba Hey? Are you saying Encino Man wasn't glam? No. Oh, good point. But if it, were, if it were episodic, then every single episode, they almost figure it out. But they're, you know, kind of... They're kind of dumb. They, they're given a lot of drugs to keep them on the children's show, and they kind of naturally forget. <laughs> um, so it's the monkeys meets Encino Man meets Yo Gabba Gabba Hey. I'm not saying no to any of this. Like, please don't take my mockery as disapproval. <laughs> like, if this uh-huh. movie gets made, I will pay my $14 to go see it. Right so, on. So Greece. Yes. Greece, <laughs> Greece had a fair amount of geothermal activity. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, not Greece the band. The no, movie. No, no, not Greece the band. Yeah. <laughs> the, the play, the, oh, God, let's start over. Uh, so the musical? Greece the musical, not... Mm-hmm. Oh, one final thing. The Quran also supports the idea that hell is cold. Oh, I did not know that. Maybe we'll yep. research that eventually. Mm-hmm. Well, Greece and Egypt both kind of agreed there were at least places in the underworld that were very, very hot, and that might have carried over into Christianity and our current 
underworld conceptions. But it's kind of everything happened in Egypt somewhere. I'm sure there's like two-headed worms and the egg god who is an egg. And right. like an infinite pool of frito pie and mm. an afterlife with just Liberace. Mm. Like, I um, would Scrooge my duck into an infinite pile of frito pie. It would be the last thing we saw of you. <laughs> so, I think there's a lot of antecedents for a, a boiling hot, a burning hot afterlife. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. I just found that, I found that in a very interesting article. Question. What is yep. the connection between Dante's vision of hell and the Bible slash Christian beliefs at the time? Question mark. That's a light, frothy question. Now, I will <laughs> say this. This is an easy answer, which I can do in well less than two minutes. Okay. Dante thought he was the best. And Dante said, I can do whatever the hell I want. I'm Dante. That's accurate. Full stop. The mm-hmm. end. Well, that that's that's... That that's that part one is that he invented a lot of stuff, and like the idea that he's writing an epic poem is important because like there's a couple of sources, there's Greek legendary and Roman legendary and Catholic Christian belief, and also that Dante was writing an epic poem, and when you add those together, you get Inferno. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure Dante read the Bible before he wrote his best poem ever, maybe. He may have just read the cliff notes. Like, he may have done his homework. I think he probably did. He, his probably, he probably did a he lot was of research. A little obsessive and compulsive, it seems. Yeah. Yeah, uh, what else was he going to do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the 13th, 13th century. Uh, there were a lot of hell tour literature books and texts that were floating around at the time, um, going back to, well, Celtic mythology. Mm-hmm. So the idea of like the journey through hell with a guide was definitely in the zeitgeist, and he had a lot of sources to draw from there. The kind of concentric circles of hell, that was probably very just uniquely him, and that was part of like having an epic quest structure where you go down and down and down and in and in and in. But Tartarus and the Greek underworld did have this kind of layers as well. He just made it very developed and geometric and such. Yeah, the Greek kind of lakes and rivers isn't really... It's really amorphous. It's amorphous swampland. Yeah, yeah. It's the only not real structure, structured. Yeah. But I guess you could say the structure is in the concept and the naming, not the physicality. Well, there's, there's elements, like Tartarus is down below. Mm. Um, it's at the end of the road there. I think there's a kind of a, a, a general like further and downer, but that's not really a very, yeah, it's a really hard place to map. More furtherer, more downer. Yeah. Things where he really deviated from existing stuff and made it his own completely uh purgatory and limbo those two realms mm. he changed so much in limbo he it was like a disposal for dead babies for a while because they took all the blessed patriarchs out in in episode 23 or so mm-hmm. but he used it to place kind of the blessed but non-christian souls which is great and purgatory he changed from kind of this waiting room where you're set there for a certain period of time to a place where the Condemned souls, or not really condemned, but the souls there actually like prayed and reflected and grew spiritually and turned towards God. So he made mm-hmm. it a place where redemption happened, and that was a, a Dante uh, original. So they didn't just stay in their house and do tons of cocaine and watch VHS tapes from the eighties. Yeah, well, that might have happened. <laughs> that would be the torture part. Um, early purgatory was basically the Catholic Church saying, "Hey, we've got this idea." We're going to store souls here until they get enough masses and or donations made. Then they'll be let go by God. 
I'm, I'm really like summarizing a lot, but that kind of mm-hmm. was the energy there. And that was the Catholic Church of like the 1200s and 1300s. And Dante had a lot to say about church corruption. So these were things that were very topical at the time. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And I still stand by my theory that a lot of this is just a crusade PTSD fever dream. Well, that's Ooh. the video game is certainly that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Game, yeah I, was, I was vindicated totally by that. Takes, yeah, and that's, that's uh-huh. kind of, everything is true. <laughs> next question. So Adam sent us the next question. Do you think the snake in the Garden of Eden is just the representation of the ego? I'm sorry, Dr. Freud. What was the question? <laughs> I was thinking like, about your mother. I mean, I was thinking about another question. Another mother. <laughs> uh, I think this is a good time for us to talk about what exactly represents our egos. Sure. Yeah. There's a mm-hmm. really good picture on Encyclopedia Britannica of an iceberg. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, honestly, this picture itself probably teaches me more than freshman psychology did back in 1999. Mm-hmm. Um, Which taught me nothing about icebergs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh-huh. he's not wrong. No. Well, my bunny trail, I was thinking about what my ego would look like. And I was thinking it would probably look like a credit card mascot. But then I realized <laughs> there are no credit card mascots. And that's kind of strange because there's like an insurance gecko. So why doesn't Visa have a mascot? And that's just kind of weird. So what would it be? Would it be like of the Visa Visigoth or Vicuna or Vulture? Uh, Visa? I don't know. But like MasterCard, I think is like a, a person wearing kind of like nice kind of a furry waistcoat with like fistfuls of receipts or something. <laughs> I don't know. Like it could be Scrooge McDuck. Well, no, because he, he does cash. He's cash only. Oh, that's true. He's, he's, he's a total cash operation. Can you imagine diving um, into a Bitcoin vault? So what's your, what's your ego like, Victoria? So I thought a little bit about this, and I, th- I really like crabs as a representative of myself. It's very appropriate for a lot of reasons. Okay. And so I was thinking I was going down the, the crab route, and I think I would be a hermit crab who has decided to use an abandoned doll head as its shell. And that expresses all of your uncontrollable inner drives? Imposter syndrome. First off, let me ask, are you even good enough to have imposter syndrome? (laughs) I I feel like everybody's going to find out I'm not. (laughs) That's a mean question. Oh, man. Like, there's concepts of ego which are Freudian in origin and non-Freudian in origin, which really mm-hmm. sucks the joy out of things. Well, fundamentally, the ego is like base drives. Um, no one got that joke. Damn it. Oh, I'm so- <laughs> I wasn't listening. What was <laughs> No, you're right. It is base drives. Ego the, id is- is inst- the id is your e- ego instinct. Is desperate control mm-hmm. and failing to. So, okay. It's id ego and superego. Yeah. So here's, mm-hmm. here's, the- here's one of the easier ways. Which I think makes this question, again, slight, well, we'll we'll ask the question. It is your instincts, your ego is your reality, and your superego is your morality, right? Okay, Okay, yeah. I definitely was getting some of this wrong. Yeah, so it's like there's the animal part of you, which Mm -hmm. is just eat, breathe, sleep, 
The and ego is your reality. These are what I'm doing. I, these are the choices I make. And then the super ego is, are the things I'm doing right or wrong? Mm-hmm. I want to eat, I eat. I take your food, I eat it. Oh, that was bad, right? You mm-hmm. steal bad. Apparently- or I need to know the name of my, my uh, ethically raised chicken. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So is the, the question is, is the serpent the ego? I think the question, the answer is no. Is the question. Oh, yeah, certainly not. Did the question mm-hmm. want to be, and it was Adam? Yeah. Hi, Adam. Like, I'm sorry for deconstructing this. I'm not actually that smart. Like, I just, I Googled a thing. I think if your question were actually, is the serpent the superego? That's an interesting we could say in places. We could say maybe. But the answer to your question, is the serpent the ego? No. Well, I'm glad that no one made the joke about, is the serpent a penis? Because the serpent has, like, arms and legs and multiple legs and things like that and walks around. So, mm-hmm. yeah, well, I'm not really seeing the, the model for me. Yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> well, now I'm scared. I mean, you've seen the um, Fred Schneider video for Monster, right? What? <laughs> like, okay. Monster Energy? I know. I, I feel like I'm introducing you guys to so much music. Over the course of this podcast, maybe I make a mixtape of all the songs that I've either sung for you or mentioned that you had no idea what they were. <laughs> okay, I'll find that. So while we're searching for that, there is a theory <laughs> that the serpent is the ego. Wait, but in the context of this, it's in the story of how the Garden of Eden is like innocence that you had to outgrow. Mm-hmm. So the card, the Garden of Eden story becomes sort of a coming of age type story, where humanity left kind of primal innocence to become civilized and wise, but not necessarily happy. So in that context, this theory says that the um, serpent, the serpent's role is to bring people out of innocence, and in that sense, it is an ego, somewhat, which develops after. Oh, so like so anthropological the the sense of awareness like the the ego being awareness and the id being just animalic yeah so So, i am not a beast because uh cogito ergo sum winnie winnie vici yeah in in this kabbalic reading the serpent is like a gateway into adulthood and in that case Maybe it does represent some aspects of the ego, the I. Damn it, Adam. Maybe I was wrong. But I think that's one interpretation, and certainly not just interpretation. I think that's kind of very secondary. Because the story's important, too. It's a good story, and that's more important than than what it deeper represents. I'm still having Mm -hmm. Union flashbacks these days. the serpent is... Don't you see my my air quotes? I see them. Okay. Mm -hmm. Serpent is Mm -hmm. bad... Because he corrupts the pure and makes them human. But no. yes, Neanderthal no, yes. man. Oh wait, just walks around. Ugh, ugh, ugh. <laughs> Gary Larson, me, me, zag him, thag. Suddenly has self awareness. Like, is this a fall to humanity or a ascension to humanity? That's ambiguous because the. Fall from grace is also the beginning of 
humanity's journey into the world. There's a lot of Old Testament passages or Genesis, books of Genesis passages that kind of are along the lines that there's this nucleus of humanity that has to spread over and over again. It happens in the Garden of Eden. It happens in Noah's Ark. It happens in the Tower of Babel. Uh, people find these safe spaces, but kind of God challenges them and drives them out. So they have to grow and expand. So calling this serpent bad, the serpent is very ambiguous. Could be bad, could be good. Oh, I'm going to need an icy hot. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll go get you one. Yeah, I agree. I don't think the serpent's necessarily bad. It's sort of like Prometheus, you know, yeah. bringing knowledge like, okay, so who is that <laughs> bad for you know yeah growing uh, up does suck mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah adam i will apologize i started i was like this question is dumb it made me think and now my brain hurts okay all of our brains Can- hurting today thank you thank you adam for challenging us so sparrow who is a rabbit asks us in what interesting ways do the denizens of the underworld mess with each other I'm excluding the tormenting of the eternally damned. I'm thinking more demon on demon action. Yeah. Bow chicka bow bow. I think any like entertaining answer to this question is going to be very 20th, 21st century. Okay. Oh, Ooh, my answer is going to be 20th, first century. What century is it? 20. I can 21st. never remember. 20th, 21st. Okay. Yeah. So like mm-hmm. the classic Gary Larson cartoon of the two escalators and there's the devil going down and the angel going up and like there's a a pie in the angel's face. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. <laughs> like devils definitely throw pies at each other. Oh yes. Uh-huh. They do. They do. Um I have some ideas on this, but it looks like somebody else does too. Well, I'll start with some boring stuff then. Okay. <laughs> I think it's gonna be a point counterpoint here. Sure. So going back to like medieval demonology, I think one of the threats of the demons is that they are a very unified front. They're described in military terms. They've got a strict fuel hierarchy. And the idea of the demons fighting against each other, although there's a lot of like pratfalls and things in um Inferno. We don't in Inferno, yeah. In mystery in like mystery plays and morality plays and things like that. The idea of the demons working against each other somehow or mm. betraying each other, that'd be kind of out of character because part of their threat is their monolithic nature as a force. Um they're mm-hmm. unified in their destruction of humanity. There are exceptions, but I think there are 18th century exceptions. Uh, Berbiguar, crazy, crazy Berbiguar, mentions that uh, Nurgle is the hell, the head of Hell's secret police. That's the kitten, right? The super cute kitten? Yes. Oh. Uh, Nurgle is yes. the head of Hell's secret police. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and Beelzebub <laughs> is the head of the Order of the Fly, which implies that he's got about this separate court all of his own. So there's uh-huh. some suggestions of like intrigue there because why would hell need a secret police and why would they put a kitten in charge of it unless there was some like <laughs> nefarious stuff that hell itself had to uproot. But Berbiguar is very into like the 18th century court structure in France and he's got a lot of modern playing in him. I think that really fundamentally the not fun answer is that hell does not meddle with hell. You know that's that's a really good question because Demons are basically fallen angels, mm-hmm, and angels mm-hmm. are the most boring thing mm-hmm. out there, right? They yeah, just kind of, float yeah. around, and they flap their little wings, and they play their little harps. Right. And, mm-hmm. Except for the ones that drive you crazy. Yeah, and the little naked babies play their stupid little trumpets, but they don't actually have personality. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so th- that's fair. It's, yeah, very. It's very analogous. Like demons are just kind of. They're force. Yeah. Mm. Automata. Aut- aut- automata. Automato. Automatons? Automatons, yes. Uh huh. Jacob planted well, some I- automatons in a bucket. And they died. And they died. <laughs> they fell from a great height. Um, and then they texted Jamin. So I disagree with both of you. I I was excited because I thought Jamin was going to go where I'm going to go. With a pie in the face. Yes. No. Okay. So my argument involves angels as well as fallen or demons as fallen angels. Uh-huh. Because if you go back to the Testament of Solomon, it helped promote the idea that demons were fallen angels or the progeny uh, sired by those fallen angels uh, once they were on earth. So essentially, like the the tables of goetic demons and their constraining angels is demon on de- demon action. It's just different flavor demons in different life cycles, like, or different flavors of demons. Okay, so this was my angel phase. Yeah, so, so the fallen angels are constraining the demons who are you know just straight up well i guess they're all fallen angels so it's just different level of fallen angels right well the angels that were restraining the demons i think those were like heaven side angels probably but i mean the names do shuffle back and forth yeah okay yeah like astaroth shows up in both columns in various places so this is like bedroom role play where you pretend to be like right uh, yeah um, like tonight i'm gonna be the prison warden right you know right along those tomorrow lines. <laughs> you'll get your chance tomorrow you get to to have the nightstick um okay. so yeah but i mean a lot of these goetia had these tables of the demons and constraining angels and like i said some of them had a lot of overlap but there's some figures that when i was looking at this um that i think we need to spend some time with <laughs> So, of course, you know, the Goetia of Dr. Thomas Rudd is kind of like the one that is used as a source for a lot of later, especially. Yeah, it's a good a good little crystallization of things. Mm-hmm. Wasn't the first, one of the more solid. Right, but it's used as a source for a lot of uh, late 19th, early 20th century occultists like Crowley and also uh, S.L. McGregor Mathers, who was another founder of the Order of the Golden Dawn. Okay. And then there's this dude that we totally need to get on the podcast called Lon Milo Duquette. Hi, Lon. And he's he's compiled the work of a lot of these modern occultists and created a similar list, uh, kind of mirroring Rudd's. And again, <laughs> there's this kind of like 72 demons for 72 constraining angels. But the angels are from the, and I know I'm going to mess this up, the um, Shem, Shemhapvarash and... It's unclear why certain demons are matched with certain angels. And I tried to find that out on Solomon, but I didn't probably go deep enough. Um, but do you know anything about the Shem Hamfarash? Uh, I know that Dr. Strange invokes it on a regular basis. Interesting. So, so that... Oh, it's, go ahead. it's the Tetragrammaton. Yes? Yes. And okay. so I feel like Jamin knows something about this. No, because like, this is I looked at it. And it was like, well, there's uh-huh. Shem, and there's Ham, and those were two of Noah's sons. And then, poor Ash. If he sneezed and said Japheth, wait, poor Ash, uh-huh. Shem, Ham. But it's why this is YHVH basically. It's the four the four letter mm-hmm. name of of God. 
And you're not supposed to name it directly, so presumably Shim Hemparash is a euphemism to let you invoke it. Shim Hemparash is the Hebrew word for the Greek word tetragrammaton. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just yep. the name is the name of God. Okay. Right. Uh-huh. I thought it was Howard. <laughs> but the interesting, another, this actually... Um, Harold. Wanna... It's Harold. You messed up the joke. <laughs> no, the joke is our father in heaven, Howard be thy name. Harold be thy name. <laughs> hmm. Did we just, did we go to different churches as children? Mostly for it. Yeah, We all so. know that we did not go to the key jangling cookie bar <laughs> church that Jacob It's went. Harold be thy name. <laughs> I'll so, let you have this one. Oh. So this is actually going to connect to another question, but... Um, so the names of God in the Tetragrammaton in the Kabbalah are composed of either 4, 12, 22, 42, or 72 letters. And so it's essentially like just using gener- like generative grammar to kind of spit out these names. Names of God, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's an Isaac Asimov story about that, too. There is. Yeah. And so I think this connects, we're going to talk about, or I was going to bring it up when we talk about uh, demon names, because I feel like there's a connection there, too. Um, but there's uh, also some really other interesting stuff that the Shem Hemephorash hem, hem, hmm, <laughs> figures in the legend of the golem. Okay. Yeah, because you have to say the figure is animated by the saying of the Shem Hemephorash. Hamifresh over it. Okay. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. and like maybe carved into its forehead or like on a sheet of yeah, paper. Yeah, it has like sacred yeah, you put post-it a piece note. of paper in its mouth. You carve something on its forehead. I think to have it. Yeah, I can't recall. Put it in the cat again, suit. I'm going to get the order wrong. Give it yeah. hot sauce. <laughs> <laughs> but I know something goes in its mouth to, and something goes on its forehead. We need to look this up because I really like that story. But also, a uh, seraphim might have started out as this also goes back to the snake thermorphic demons that plagued children of israel in the desert with fiery burning bites um because seraphim comes or seraphim comes from oh, the hebrew yeah. root seraph or seraph uh-huh to burn so they're the burning ones and the term is associated with snakes in the old testament interesting so i feel it i yes i'm so I really believe that's demon on demon action as the constraining angels. Okay, when you assume there's not really a very strong dividing line between the two, then all of the mm-hmm. conflict becomes sexy roleplay. It does. And again, if TV's Lucifer is any indication, that plays out. Mm-hmm. Another question from Inferno Puzzle. Demon names have this kind of similar sound, Malakoda, Malganus, Asmodeus. Where do the demon names come from and why do they sound so cool? So again, I have a theory. It must be bunnies. And this is related. <laughs> it must be bunnies. Bunnies. Um, going back to what I just said about the Hebrew uh, names for uh, God and the generation of angel names from the, what is it, the Tetragrammaton? Yes. It sounds like that um, ride at the carnival where it spins really fast and you stick to the wall. Does Are it, they related? Does it really? <laughs> Centrifuge? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, ride the Tetragrammaton. Wait, what? <laughs> Hang on. It's a it's a super fun ride, but you you go in and you kind of you lay on you kind of lean against the wall on these like little 
you know, mattressy flats. thing. And yeah, the, then and the then as it starts to you. spin, yeah, the the yeah, that you d- rise up, the floor drops out, and mm-hmm. you kind of stick to the like. You What's can't the name? The, wall. the tetragrammaton. Oh, I think it's a it's a grammaton, graviton, graviton. Ah, it's the Benetton. It's the United Magnets <laughs> of graviton. The Pat Benetton. How do you know? <laughs> oh, I like that. Uh huh. Hell is for children, after all. Going back to that, and also thinking about the connection again. I'm using Ballinger's Dictionary of Demons for a lot of this. These ideas, or to kind of bolster my <laughs> my theory. Yeah. So if you think about the grimoires having some roots in the Kabbalah, I feel like there's a connection to demon names and Semitic languages. Oh, definitely. Like, okay. I mean, a lot of the names have evolved over time. I think they've become more Latinified. Mm-hmm. But like Asmodeus was Ashmedi, I think. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Moloch was probably MLK, which is like to make sacred or to destroy one of the two. I forget which. It's 19th mm-hmm. Street, East West. That's also true. Austin joke. <laughs> so I think that um, a lot of the demon names, they come from like these three letter thought word name things. Um, mm-hmm. And so, I mean, the word means like, well, Ben Barkiel is like God lightning, uh, God's lightning or something like that. And if you take it apart, that's, that's kind of what that means. So the demon names come from words that mean the thing that they mean, but then mm-hmm. they get kind of retooled into latinate and and greek constructions to make them just more interesting and sexy like exotic things are exotic that they're 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 fun and exciting it's true and that's why leonard is such a bad name leonard leonard but one of one of the things from ballinger that connects back to what we were just talking about is that uh so angel names tend to end in an I-E-L or A-E-L. Right. Yeah. And so the Semitic root of L, which I'm sure you know, Jamin, uh, means Lord or God. And so angel names are of God, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, so like Raphael is like healer of God. And so- The word we, the word Michael or the name Michael is just mm-hmm. Mikhail, which I- Mike of God. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. The, the fun story, like uh, the, the angel whose name is the right hand of God is- uh-huh. Jaminel. And he's left-handed. So weird. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Were you going to make that joke? No. You <laughs> You stole my thunder. <laughs> Sorry. Do you want to do it again where it's no. your joke? No. No, it's perfect. <laughs> um, but no, you you're absolutely right. Didn't didn't we kind of go over the whole like Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies was a pun? Mhm. In mm-hmm. a prior episode. Well, and then there's some some magical traditions that get layered on top of this too to make things even more fun, mm-hmm. like um, at, at making acrostic names or yeah. names. Like, what is it, the barbarous names as well? Yeah, with all the Z's and things like that. So uh-huh. people like the, this exotic and hard to say stuff. It sounds occult. Um, mm-hmm. One interesting one, Lucifuge Rockefell, is yeah. is fairly mm-hmm. palindromic. Like it's the, mm-hmm. the two three syllable words kind of reflect each other. Yeah, I found that really interesting. Um, and also the whole thing about the angel names being so similar to demon names causes a lot of consternation because you don't know who the baddies are by their names. Right. So Rudd created a test by which you could, you should, to find this out where you ask a demon its name 
And then you ask it to agree that all of the fallen angels have been justly condemned, and a demon is sure to argue that point. Oh, because, yeah, male answer syndrome. Mm -hmm, exactly. Demons are the demon-splaining. Yes. Um, demon-splaining. <laughs> yeah, they're terrible at that. But also I was wondering if, like, Babylonian names, Akkadian, which is also a Semitic language, and Sumerian, like, there may be some of that. And also there's some similar lists of demons. Uh, there's kind of a something similar to the Testament of Solomon that is called the Alphahurst, which has demon names in Arabic. And so it could be like just all of this mishmash of borrowing. Just to be slightly pedantic. <laughs> Please. This is the whole point of the podcast. Uh, Akkadian is proto-Semitic. Oh, okay. Okay. No, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I just, that was an assumption on my part. But I mean, eventually the Semites came. Mm -hmm. So one of my favorite demon names. <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> that was me, by the way. To, that was directed at me, not you. So You're calling yourself a nerd. I was calling myself nerd. a nerd. Aren't we? I mean, look, like, look at us. Just look at us. They can't. This is a podcast. Check the, check the show notes. <laughs> uh, Subtitle, nerd. They've seen us. There's us. Mm -hmm. It's true. We are like not even the hipster nerds. So I love the demon name Oz. I think it's O-Z-E. Oh, yeah. Because uh -huh. it's a leopard guy. Yes. And leopards are called the ounce cat. Oh. So I think those are related ideas. Oh, that's kind of cute. Okay. Okay. So that was my theory about yeah. demon names. You take a name, like a word, like oven or hot pad. And then you- Hot pad of God? Yeah. Yeah. Then you add mm -hmm. of God and then you change mm -hmm. all the letters to Z's. <laughs> yeah. There is kind of a dichotomy in which angels are of God mm -hmm. and demons are strange. Also of God? <laughs> you know, like, oh, yeah. it's a strange, uh -huh. exotic, mystical, not of the normal. Right. Like their names get obscured or darkened or changed over time. They have they have more, like, like Belanger says, barbarous spellings and sounds they, they, mm -hmm. they do sound kind of ugly not all of them though like Bure's alternate name is like heratherial because paimon's a nice name it is it is mm. mr paimon give me a dream grammary comes from uh, like grammary the book of magic so yeah mm -hmm. anyway i don't know if we can answer this question but it's fun to try yeah yeah, I think we I think we took a a very um a pretty good stab at it. So, final question: mm -hmm. Does the devil really wear Prada? And this one comes from Sam. So, hi Sam. We 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 worked with Sam. I was going to say I know Sam. Yeah, Sam worked at that place that we used to work yeah. at. Mm hmm. Hello, Sam. Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like the Sam was assumed. That's yeah. every time you assume the Sam, that's mm -hmm. the classic pitfall. Rookie mistake. <laughs> so everybody thought that Pope Benedict wore Prada. Oh, does but the Pope he did not. Prada? He wore a host of other designers. Oh, that's a well It was mostly those it was those red shoes. Yeah. But those uh, were not Prada. Those, the, were pra those were not Prada. When you linked this article, mm -hmm. so I want to link this article this magnificent article which victoria linked us 
Which is from Pope Fashion History. Yeah, Pope Fashion History from TeenVogue.com. And I was like, what utter garbage am I going to have to wade through? No, so wrong. This article is fantastic. After you click like and subscribe to us, go read this article on Teen Vogue because it's- And read a lot of things there because they actually do really good journalism. Because they, they can, they're stealthy. They can go under the wire and do stuff that a lot of other- Is it because they're teenagers? I think it's the name Teen Vogue, but they do really good journalism. Like Teen Vogue is like actually, if you look at their politics uh, articles, they're really good. Ooh. But the picture of the Pope wearing sunglasses, I'm like, oh, nice. What? Wow. Uh, the red mm-hmm. shoes. The Pope, like, okay, the diamond ring. That was a little bit, you know. Okay, sure, you're the Pope. You get a diamond ring. That's fine. Yeah, he does. You know, um, their their history and their backstory, where it's like. I I don't even know which Pope it was because I only looked at the pictures, but the Pope was not inaugurated, coronated. The Pope was popified wearing a paper mache uh, tiara. Like the point he had is a miter. No, but okay, but but he, like he was. Oh, that's, but he was wearing a tiara. But he was wearing. Got to look at this. His little crown thing. He was paper mache because freaking Napoleon melted down all the Pope's jewels. Mm. Oh, what a bitch! Mm-hmm. What like absolutely dick move, Napoleon? Um, and like to make up for it later, he sends the Pope, you know, a gold eighteen pound or eighteen kilogram gold thingamajig, which is so heavy you can't wear. But like, yeah, this art like fantastic article, Vuka. Thank you for sharing. You are welcome. I have a thought. Given yes. the Pope is, you know, highly charged with God particles, can mm-hmm. he lay on hands and make his shoes Prada? Oh, I feel like there'd be all kinds of, like, trademark issues. Oh, okay. But he's infallible. Being infallible doesn't mean anything you do is correct. Being infallible means you don't do uncorrect things. Oh, okay. So that's a, a nasty self-referential loop there okay okay okay. so what the pope would actually do is go to a wedding and see that like the open bar is like out and what he does is he turns his shoes into wine red (laughs) wine you like you like pour them out of the shoes i've seen that yeah it's it's, Uh exactly exactly so yeah red shoes red wine the pope.com since I've been like Mr. Killjoy this episode, I'm going to say I don't think the devil wears Prada because I think that the devil wears whatever you're going to be impressed, jealous, and a little bit intimidated of. And I wouldn't recognize Prada. I would have those responses to really nice Doc Martens. Yeah, I'd much rather, yeah, like see a cool pair of Converse yeah, yeah. and Doc Martens. But really like intimidating ones. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like real legit yeah. punk rock. Sixteen hole gougers. Combat boots. Yeah. Uh huh. I think the devil's going to wear things that are like three or four levels above your means, but not like five or six where you can't even understand them anymore. That's true. I so, agree with that. I, if you were to show me a pair of Prada shoes and a Diet Dr Pepper and ask me to choose between the two, I might not be able to do that. It'd be hard. Yeah. Uh, so I will offer one exception to the rule of the, of the devil, um, not wearing Prada is TV's Lucifer, who definitely wears Prada. Okay. Really? 
Mm-hmm. Has that been? Yeah, there's. It's been I documented. Think there's a clip. There's a clip of him discussing that. An alleged um, clip. And I, if I didn't share it, oh, I shared the clip. Mm-hmm. Oh, Allegations. <laughs> we will share the clip. <laughs> uh, also, just one more thing about the uh, the Pope. So that ha- it's called tri- a triregnum. Yeah, the triple crown or a tiara. Yes. So, okay, so uh, this is something I always like to play with the Sky Mall catalog. <laughs> if you ha- absolutely on pain of death had to choose one of these to wear, which one would you choose? Which one of these fashions? Triregnum or? Like, you know, this, uh, we've got the rainbow. The rainbow vestment was. Like, it was like. We got the red the Pope shoes. walks out in rainbow vestment. I was expecting kind of tacky. The Pope looks dope. In his rainbow vestment. Mm-hmm. I was like, We've oh, that is, that is subtle and classy. Uh-huh. Well done, Pope. You got you got the crazy uh, Inferno level cloak, the red oh, one. Oh, that cloak. Ugh. Boy. Mm-hmm. You've got the simplicity of Pope Francis. Yeah. I think I would pick the rainbow vestments. I like those. I like those a lot. They're very, it's fun. It's cheerful, like it's kind of like they're a little bit jaunty, like the cro- the yeah. cro- rainbow crosses are kind of jaunty. Are some of them upside mm-hmm. down? No. Yeah. No. Okay. No. Oh, well, they're there's they're askew. Some of them are no. askew, which I feel like they spent a lot of time making sure they yeah. didn't turn upside <laughs> yeah. down. Um, Considering my but, own, well, one of my personal pairs of Doc Martens are metallic bright blue. Oh. I would say I would be perfectly okay wearing red shoes. Yeah, I think you could pull it I off. would wear bright mm-hmm. red shoes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Red bottoms on my feet looking devilish. You go with your green eyebrows. Thank you again for joining us at the Dispatchist as we answered listener questions. I think... Orbited listener questions. <laughs> uh, yes. I think we'll do this. I think we should do this again. So keep sending in those questions and we'll have, uh, once we get an elegant sufficiency, we will um, pull them together and answer them as best we can. And in the meantime, please uh, visit us on the social media. Um, We are at, we are on Instagram at dispatchist underscore podcast. And we're on the Twitters. And what is that? The Dispatches. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not on the Twitter, so I don't, I never I remember. Think, I think we're on Gmail as The Dispatches as well. Ah, to see, that's handy. And also we're on Facebook at The Dispatches Podcast, Let's Talk About Hell. Mm-hmm. And we are on the web. We have a website called dispatch.ist. Yes, that seemed like a good idea when I bought it. And so we may or may not come back and answer the remaining questions. We may save those for another episode in the futures, depending. I'm getting some. I've been, <laughs> I've been incredibly subtle in all of uh-huh. my plugging, but I want to say you're doing a great job. Thank you for, thank you for doing this with us. So. Yes. And we also have a Patreon <gasps> as well. And I am working on creating some Patreon uh, rewards. Up, even as we speak up to it, including green crayon drawings. <laughs> we have green c- crayon drawings. Uh, I will spoil it and say that I'm working on friendship bracelets. Oh, mm-hmm. that's nice. 
So I will let you know. I will share when I have a, again, like a, a good number of friendship bracelets for. I can only make to, baked goods. I, th- well, I know this is a little harder to sell, but wait, maybe yeah. if we have a, a party at some point. And, but yeah, so I think that covers it for now, but please come back and listen to us and like subscribe on, uh, your thing, Apple podcasts. And until next time, <gasps> we will s- <gasps> we'll see you in hell. Bye. Toodles. Bye. This podcast is copyright 2021 by The Dispatchist and its Creative Commons. You're welcome to reuse with attribution. Look for us on your favorite podcast app. Say hi to us on Twitter or Gmail at The Dispatchist, no spaces. Check out our website, dispatch.ist, for more episodes, show notes, and a variety of hellish resources.